Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We are on Spotify, Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. If you're there, make sure you hit like, subscribe, turn the notifications on because we've got content all day long, including... Our new podcast there, Messi and Company. So catch up on Messi and everything that's going on with that team they're putting together with Inter-Miami. Also, plenty of Marlins content, uh, some big wins lately, even with Eric Spolstra in the house. He was in the house on Saturday, and the Marlins win an extra inning. So check it out, Five Reasons YouTube channel, also 5ReasonsSports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. And we're going to send you here, because if you've been checking us out on Twitter, you've seen what it looks like now, OceansFinest.com. This is premium seafood that has been being delivered to the cruise lines and five-star restaurants for a while now, 40 years in fact, but now you can get it directly to your door. Or if you're lucky enough to be part of the Five Reasons Sports Network, like Alfredo Arteaga, you get it directly from me. And he was able to make the mahi-mahi fingers uh, and then put them on Twitter to make everybody salivate. Check them out at OceansFinest.com. That's OceansFinest.com. This stays fresher for longer. And again, it gets delivered to you in a day or two. It took one day uh, to get here to my door. So oceansfinest.com, get the same premium seafood that's going to the cruise lines and the five-star restaurants. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yay. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck to say, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick in the Five Reasons Sports. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. We're going to be churning out some episodes here in advance of free agency, which, of course, uh, starts up here in roughly a week. And then there's a few more days before anything can get officially announced because of this moratorium that goes into effect, deals with the league year, new CBA, all kinds of stuff related to that. And of course, at this stage, we are still waiting on Dame Lillard. We'll get to more of this in our SPY report, uh, which is sponsored by Closure Investigative uh, Agency. We'll get to that a little bit later. Some of the stuff that's been going on on IG and Dame and perhaps Dame and definitely Jimmy being trolls here. But in this particular episode, Greg and I are just going to go through assets because this is a hot topic on Twitter the past few days, not surprisingly, which is evaluating the Miami Heat's assets. Because if they're going to make a trade for Dame Lillard or anybody else, and this played into it with Bradley Beal as well, obviously that one's over with. It it matters how other teams view what the Heat have to offer. And now some of those assets have changed because, for instance, the number 18 overall pick, which we talked about a lot, That is now a player, and no matter how good you think that player is, 
The way that this works when it comes to trades is typically, unless another team has requested you to take that player, which oftentimes that trade is made on draft night, but sometimes it's held for later on, it's sort of like buying a car. As soon as you drive that pick off the lot, as soon as you pick your car or pick your player, that pick is worth less. Uh, that's usually how this works, okay? And of course, some pick, you know, picks are worth more a year early than they are a year late. That number 18 pick probably had a lot of value before the draft. Now it's going to have less, and it's no slight uh, to Jaime Jaquez Jr. or anything like that. It's just the way that this thing works. So we're going to go through the assets here. And, Greg, we're going to rank them, and we're also going to kind of put it in this context. Positive asset, neutral asset, negative asset. And then there's like double negative assets or maybe double positive assets, although I don't think that he'd have any of those. So let's go through it. Who do you have? And we asked Bobby Marks this question. I'm curious as you go through it. Yeah. Do you say the same person is the Heat's – and this is any – let's say anybody on the roster, okay? Even the guys that yeah. – two guys that we know they're not trading. Who is the Heat's based on contract, based on age? Who would be the Heat – and it could be a player – it could be a pick as well. What is the Heat's most positive asset? Okay, I'm glad you referenced Bobby Marks because he said Caleb Martin because of his contract, etc. And that was a good starting point. I'm glad you mentioned that. But I think we should just get out of the way that I think if you were to say that they were going to completely blow this team up and take a wrecking ball to it, as Pat said, that they wouldn't do and they're not going to do, please, aggregators, leave me alone. Uh, I think you could say that probably Bam Adebayo would probably net you the most. Jimmy Butler would net you the second most if we're just getting them out of the way, but they're not trading either of those. So that's a moot point going forward. So we've established that part of it, right? This is where things get tricky for me personally. I'm, I think I differ from Bobby Marks in this because and it's weird. It's weird that we've arrived at a place where the best assets on a finals team, other than Jimmy and Bam, may not be the actual players on the court. And I, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Because Bobby Mark said Caleb Martin, and that's because Caleb Martin's due $6.8 million next year. He's a cost-controlled player playing way above his salary. And eventually, when you do come to the uh, year that he is eligible to be a free agent, you will have your full bird rights to keep him. Here's where I differ from him in, in saying that that's the Heat's number one asset outside of Jimmy and Bam. I think the that ultimately what you're going to find throughout the league as they start to understand the implications of the new issues with the second apron and the salary cap, et cetera, is that the right to pay Caleb Martin is not going to be more valuable than the hope that comes with the 2027 or 2029 first round picks that Miami owns, for instance, okay. or maybe the 2024 and the 2026 picks, although they would have to do things to even have the right. ability to, to trade them. Cause we know of all the issues with the OKC pick that they owe in 2025. So I would start out by saying that probably the first round picks that are in 2027 and 2029, or they have one in 2028 also, uh, are probably their most valuable. And I say that because Jimmy Butler's contract also expires right around 2026. That's when it runs out. And who knows how much longer he'll play after that. If you ever were going to bet on a down moment, it would be when Jimmy was on his way out 
theoretically. So to me, that's where I'm starting. Do you disagree? I don't necessarily, and I want to cycle back to it, but I want to start with your first two, even though we know that neither of them is getting traded now, but I do think we should address it because we're, we're, we're putting this in the framework of assets and there are always going to be a fringe group of heat fans uh, who we should acknowledge to some degree who are always going to say trade bam, trade Jimmy and all that stuff. Right. Okay. So let, let's, let's go let's just have this conversation. I agree with you that Bam is more of an asset than Jimmy at this stage. Uh, it's age related, obviously more than anything else. Also the contract does not get quite as large as Jimmy's does. Uh, so I'll just ask you this question. If Bam out of bio was available for a trade and not the player that you were trading to get an even bigger star of which there are only about you know, a dozen in the league, maybe a dozen to 15, right? What would Bam, if, if the Heat were to say, I get completely theoretical, do not aggregate this. If the Heat were to say Bam's available, okay, we're, we're going a different direction. Jimmy's our one. We're going to go find a number two fits better offensively, perhaps, whatever. What would Bam net you in a trade with what you've seen players going for lately? How, how many picks do you think it would require? Picks and players. It's funny because, I mean, you could get Dame for Bam, if you want to be honest, like if, if they eventually grind that down to a halt. But like, so you could go big game hunting for another superstar if you wanted a 1A, a guy that everybody knows is an all-NBA guy next to Jimmy. You could go shopping for that player with Bam Adebayo. The Heat will never do that. And when we get to this first-round pick discussion, I think you probably could get from the right team that needed him with the right group around probably three first round picks with swaps in between something like that is what I'm, that's kind of where I'm starting. Um, I would tell you right now, the heat would not trade him for six first round picks and swaps in between. They wouldn't do it. Like they, they literally value what he does on the court more and people can scoff and roll their eyes and that's just the way it is. So accept reality. Um, but I think probably to say more than three, I would probably start people are going to call me a heat Homer. So I'm going to say that probably that's the starting point for him. Do you, does that sound right to you or am I shooting? I'm thinking of him more in the context of the hunted player rather than the player that uses the bait to get the bigger star. So what I'm saying is not, okay. Could you use a bam to get a Dame, which obviously we know is not going to happen. My largest reason Dame would want to play in Miami is bam. That's not the same thing as Mitchell was. And I, I kind of I, I can't let this stand. I keep seeing this on Twitter that the Heat didn't get Mitchell because they wouldn't include Hero. And I just I, I just I don't know what hold those fans have been in. But obviously we have not done a very good job educating on that, or people just don't listen. But I I think that it's probably the latter because <laughs> I feel like we have educated <laughs> on that over and over. Um, but as I'm thinking more of Bam, okay, where you just say, all right, we're gonna get a collection of like the Heat would never do this either. But I'm just saying a collection of rebuild pieces. Like if, if Bam Adebayo, let, like let's say Bam Adebayo was a member of, I don't know, what's a team that's that's maybe pivoting, uh, the Toronto Raptors right now, okay? Like a team, not a team like the Heat with championship aspirations, but a team kind of in the middle. If Bam Adebayo was on that kind of team, how many first-round picks could you ask for? I think you could ask for another starting center, right, salaries to match, 
mm-hmm. with a couple of other players. And then I agree with you. It's probably three, four first round picks plus swaps, which, uh, which swaps, I do not understand swaps at all because typically the team that's trading the sw- the swap yeah. trading for the player is, is, is the, is the team that is going to be uh, better no, excuse me, were no better, right? So it doesn't make any sense for the why, team that- why you'd want the swap. It's more of the control. That's what it boils down to. You're right. In in most of the time, they're not going to take advantage of it of said swap. Most most swaps don't uh end up registering. Matter correct, they, yeah. Right. But they right. want the control. That's the point of them. Right. Um, but it, it it feels cosmetic. They want to control like, three. Bam to Bam out of bio is three drafts. Who's right. been four drafts? Rudy Gobert out. Total anomaly. Has anyone been four drafts that I'm missing? There's pro- there's transaction Donovan. merchants. Donovan. Yeah. Well, Don Donovan, but but see, Rudy, Rudy's a total anomaly, and he threw the whole thing out of whack. But I mean, I I mean that that would be the comparison. Is Bam to Rudy? Whatever Rudy got, Bam would should be more the beauty of the rudy deal ethan as we're as we're meandering off in a different direction is that i think that is now the benchmark where um execs are going to say that's like the too much point and we're working <laughs> down from there like that because it was such a ridiculous deal like so the, the three times too much point yeah yeah the, so so when we're talking about these, that's the the top package and it's all down from there. And I don't think that we're even getting there with Bam because that was such an anomaly to that point. So just so that fans don't think, why is Gobert getting this and Bam that? It's just a different landscape and some teams do dumb stuff. All right, so we're in agreement that Bam is the number one asset on the team uh, in, in terms of how he would be valued around the league. So let's just do this for bleeps and giggles and then we'll come back uh, you know, well, now we'll talk about the Caleb thing next, and then we'll come back after the break and get to the guys that I think this episode's really about. Um, Jimmy, if the Heat were to put Jimmy out there on the market, which is not happening, with that contract, what would you be looking at? He's you been would- traded multiple times. We we saw obviously the value from Chicago to Minnesota when he was younger, but hadn't made these kind of deep playoff runs with Zach Correct. Levine. There you are. No, you just okay. said it out loud. Your answer. Th- this is a different Jimmy. This Jimmy, who just did what he did in this four-year run with Miami, is thought of differently in his um, pecking order throughout the league among the players. Forget the fans and forget us, our, uh, the way we talk. So any guy out there that is the the pillar of their franchise, if they said, I need a lightning rod to come to my city, play with me, and we're going to get one, and all you got to do is get one, and then you're in the history books forever. And that's what these guys are playing for. I think today, Jimmy Butler, despite his contract, there would still be a robust market because there are people that say, let's just catch lightning in a bottle with that guy and go grab one. I don't know who those teams are. I'd have to think about it for a moment. Because it doesn't take a select group. It's not everyone. Well, no, because I think there's only about five organizations in the league who even think they could handle him. That's what I mean. Yep. Right. Uh, So I I, I don't think – I mean, it would have to be – an organization like, and again, they're nowhere near this stage at this point because they're in total rebuild mode, but an organization with the stability of a San Antonio to be able to say, okay, 
we're going to bring this guy in as the final piece, but San Antonio is about four or five years away from that point. So Jimmy will be long retired by then. As he said, he doesn't want to play beyond this contract. So I, so it's, it's, it's an interesting discussion. It's not going to happen. Um, but I'm with you because every team in the league would want Bam at his age right now. Whereas I think select teams would want Jimmy at his age with that contract. That to me makes Jimmy, excuse me, Bam, the bigger asset. Okay, the next one we get to, and I do want to mention before we get to this, a couple of our other sponsors here. Prize picks, make sure you're using that code five, get that initial deposit matched up to $100. Things are still going even without the NBA. There's a WNBA, but there's also baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, tennis. It's all there on prize picks. And the NFL season props are up there too. So jump on those. Uh, get on that. I keep saying get on that Tyreek Hill prop before they get smart enough to raise it. So go to prizepicks.com, use the code 5FIVE, and go to Better Edge. We've been running all kinds of cool stuff. Um, congratulations on our draft tournament winner there. You go to betteredge.com, you can bet legally. Use the code there. It's not 5, it's 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN, and you get $20 to play at betteredge.com. Both of these, by the way, are legal in the state of Florida. Go to Prize Picks for your props. Go to Better Edge for your gambling and everything else. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, so now the discussion becomes their next. Okay, so we're both going to say Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are both positive assets, correct? We agree on yes. that. Yes. So the others, the other assets in the positive asset box, Caleb Martin is a positive asset for sure. For sure. And that's a guy that we know that Washington asked for. 
um, during the yeah. trade discussions. So that is a positive asset. The 27 and 29 picks, just by the nature of the unknowables, right? Even if the Heat may be too good for them to be too high up in the draft. We know the Heat don't typically pick, uh, you know, higher than the teens. Um, and it's it's rare that they even are in the teens, as they've been with what Hero, Bam, and and uh, mm-hmm. and also now uh, Yakez, okay? Um, but obviously they're picks. They're, they're positive assets, either Hope. way. There's hope, right? Even if again, it's not the same hope as getting one of them from, say, Orlando, right, or or a franchise that's been down for a long time. Um, is Jovic before we order these? Is Jovic a positive asset? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, do you think other teams value him the way that the Heat do? Probably not, because I think the Heat, um, just by virtue of the fact that they're working with him every day. And from all accounts, as I ask around that kid works, he busts his ass and he is bought in. And so because of that, I think that they're going to want to see him on the court and see him playing Miami heat basketball before they were to make a broad assumption. Whereas another franchise may not understand that to that degree. So to me, he's more valuable to Miami and he's just just slightly, but not by a lot, le- uh, less valuable than a future first round draft pick. If it were, if we're, if they had all their picks available to trade, their upcoming future first round picks, I may say Jovic is actually more valuable because I think teams know the Heat are trying to go and win right now. But it's right. just that the fact that they can't necessarily offer all those picks because of the Steepian rule. I've also uh, just watched him interact with teammates and coaches and it's you can tell when a player is liked particularly a young player like that he's one of us and it just feels very much that way from for the whole roster really from everybody from jimmy um on down it just it just seems like they just like the kid and usually when you like a player like that because there always are going to be resentments especially for first round picks when you like him, it's because you've watched him work. That that is typically the reason that that you buy into a guy. Some of it's personality, obviously, as in any workplace. But so, if you if there's resentment, it, you see it, and I don't see any of it. I, it seems like they genuinely like him and and think he has a future. So he's a positive asset. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Before we order these, anybody else that you would list as a positive asset? Clearly positive, not a neutral asset. We're going to get to neutrals. Is there I, anybody else with their contract? I believe that um, I guess the word neutral is what we're going to have to lay out on the table and dissect to really get to the bottom of this because we're not going to call Tyler Hero any any part of a negative asset because of what happened with Jordan Poole. I, I shall not stand for this, um, but – um, neutral could be an interesting t- word. And I'd like to hear your perspective on what you mean by neutral, because Tyler hero as a basketball player at his age on the court to call him neutral to a negative player at asset, whatever, like we're thinking about this way. Well, too here, here, hard. Here's what neutral means to me. It means but, that he's, okay. not necess- he's not necessarily, and I don't, let's not put it in the framework of him. Let's put it in the context of how we're looking at it, even though he may fit into this category. To me, a neutral asset is somebody that other teams, the majority of other teams are not really asking for, but they'll listen. 
that then, in the right then, yes that in, 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 in the, in, right well that's what i'm getting at in the right situation for the right team yeah that they may view it and say okay that's a contract uh and again a lot of this is contract related it's not necessarily just uh, you know production related because obviously tyler's been incredibly productive again i don't want to make this just about him even though this tends to be where this is heading yeah. but it's that it's a neutral asset in the sense of you know okay, there are some teams who might say yes, and there are some teams who may say no, and there are some teams who might say yes for this guy, but not for that guy. And if you're a rebuilding team who needs someone to give you some buckets, okay, and you can grow with and sell to the fan base, he makes sense. But if you're looking for a team that may be ready to win right away and need somebody that they can trust more defensively or just a contract situation where you can fit them into your your cap situation, your tax, and especially tax situation. And I know you mentioned pool and I don't want to skip too far ahead here, but it is interesting to me that pretty much every player who was extended from 2019, the team has come to regret it. And I don't think it's, it's necessarily big regrets for some of the teams. Okay. But we've heard uh, the Andre Hunter in trade yeah. discussions, as you mentioned, pool was a negative asset for a whole bunch of different reasons. Although he did help the gold state Warriors win a championship, RJ Barrett, it seems to depend on the day. Zion has created a lot of his own issues and there's the health stuff and Ja who's the one slam dunk out of the whole thing is now no longer that to a certain degree again because of the some of the stuff there's really nobody who is like okay that was a perfect decision I now Memphis would do it again with Ja for sure but I'm just saying it's not just that the heat who are kind of stuck in this place like was that contract worth it they had to do it pretty much yeah but 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 it's it's it, it, I, the CBA changed. Some of it is what happened with the players: Tyler getting hurt, Jaws situation, I mean, Zion situation, Hunter not really finding his role, Barrett kind of being an inconsistent third guy. So some of it, and there's other guys who weren't even worthy of extensions. I'm talking about the guys who got extension. A lot of guys who were not worthy because really, if you redraft that thing, Tyler would be a fifth or sixth overall in that draft. Garland is one who I think Cleveland was pretty comfortable with what they did there. But I'm just saying, like, you know, why it's, it's not, tough? Yeah. Because the it's, CBA has made it tough because you can't really have a third guy now making that kind of money, I think. The and way these the are the guys that and these are the guys that the year prior were on their rookie scale deal. So they're accelerating so much. So the right. the impact is so great. So it's it's just this class is hitting right at the CBA moment. At the worst and, possible time. Correct. And so like this is the other thing I want to sneak in as we talk about the f- future assets and and um and what else on this team is worth anything. This is the scary economical aspect of this. We may be in a singular off season where Kyle Lowry's $29.6 million expiring contract has more value than Tyler Hero's $27 million four-year deal. Let's get to that in a minute. To close the loop on two, I'm with you on that. To 2019, all of them are supposed to be third guys on their teams. And the problem is now the CBA has made it punitive to pay your third guy. You're so right. Tyler was supposed to be your third guy, right? Garland with Mitchell coming in there now with Mobley and the extension that Mobley, I, did he get, I, I, I don't know. Was he at that stage? No, it'll be this year that it hits right. Or yeah. next year for Mobley. Mobley is now one of their big two. Garland is kind of their third guy. Ultimately that's the way it should work. Okay. Even though Garland's been a bigger scorer. All of them have a Barrett third guy, right? With Brunson coming in with Randall. So that's the thing is it's like, how much can you, if you're paying your third guy, 25, $30 million per year, 
I, it, the new CBA makes that extraordinarily punitive as it pushes you up to the second apron. So that's kind of that situation. All right. So now I want to close the loop on the positive assets though, because yes, in that context, Caleb right. Morton, the 27 and 29 picks, Jovich, you're going to say Kyle Lowry's is a positive asset. Yeah. Let me tell you why I have it as neutral, have it as neutral but go ahead. Uh, well, I guess I, I say positive because this, if you go shopping with $29.6 million and two draft picks, you can go get, go look at a guy that has three, four years. You can go get DeAndre Hunter and another player on the Atlanta Hawks right now. And you can build DeAndre Hunter. If you think that he can be a wing, you but could get, but you're characterizing. Okay. But you're characterizing Lowry as an, because as a he's expiring. I, I under, no, I understand it's such why easy it's connective a, tissue that he becomes valuable just by virtue of the fact that he can make a deal happen. It's right. not that uh, him. So I guess if you're telling see, me, I independent, say neutral then I say, neutral. He's, I no, say no, no, neutral you're right. Because, neutral. Cause the positive Sorry. asset is what you're attaching. No, amen. Amen. Uh, Lowry, Lowry is, I, I think what, what happened, neutral. what happened with Kyle is he went from negative to amen. neutral by being more productive after he returned, even though right. it petered out later in the playoffs. So I would, I would call him neutral. I, I think they're only positive assets. Okay. Other than two guys, they're not going to trade, which is Bam and Jimmy are Caleb and I think that one's mitigated somewhat by the fact that after the one year, he can go get more money. Okay. Yep. So that, that, that's the other thing. It's, it, it's right a really good contract, him. but it's not set. It's not like it's two years of this. It's one year of this. Okay. One more year. Um, Jovich, who I think has again, more value to them maybe than to other teams, but I still would call him a positive asset and the 27 and 29 picks, which are somewhat unknowable because unless the heat completely tank, which we know they're not going to do. And unless they didn't have a succession plan for Pat or something like that, which we know is not true because they don't, they don't operate that way. They always have a plan. I don't know that those 27 and 29 picks are worth what other teams, 27 and 29 picks are going to be worth because those picks are probably going to be lower in the first round than those other picks, but they're still positive assets. My Did overall we mention point. Jaime Hawkins? Do we need to have him? Yeah, no. I Would you call him a positive asset? Yes, for sure. Okay. Yes. Positive so, for sure. He's not, he's not neutral just by virtue of the fact he got drafted two days ago. He's definitely positive. But less positive, positive is before, it, but less in positive the hope of the pick they, because yes. Then before they made the pick. Yeah. Which, so, which there's a part of that that I just hate and it makes no sense, but that's a conversation for another day. No, but it is, it's true. Okay. Is Haywood Highsmith a positive asset? Mm, positive. Too, too modest to be anything but neutral. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And, and, and only really fits on on certain teams. Like that's why I thought it was interesting right. that Washington it was interested in him because he's 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 the type of player like even though even though he's new to the NBA relatively, it, he's the type of player who serves more of a purpose on a good team right. than on a bad team. He's not somebody you want to run offense through. He's somebody who he is connective tissue on the court. Um, and but so he's cheap so that, and, and Washington just wants to have the least expensive roster that they can get is what it appears right. the way they're slashing. So maybe they just wanted functional guys, um, that want to play up their value or something. Anyway, let's not spend time on the wizards. Uh, all right, so, okay. Said. Now, now yeah. let me ask you this question. We, we, we can't even characterize Struess and Vincent, right? 
No, they're sign and trade values. If you think they're trade exceptions, you'd get back where you'd basically hold those, let them expire most likely, but at least you'd have them if you went that route. You wouldn't receive anything but a trade exception, I don't think, for either, if you do help facilitate either transaction. So, I, I mean, we're going to throw them in the neutral basket just because it really doesn't matter. What yeah, but neutral, yes. Okay. At the bottom right. of the neutral basket. All right. So here's my overall point, and then we will get to the neutrals right here after uh, our break, okay? Is they don't really have a flashing lights positive asset. They have a guy in BAM who they're not trading, who would be the one. Jimmy, who would be that for certain teams, but they're not trading. Caleb, who would be that if not for the fact that that second year he can go get his money, right? But obviously it's a very positive asset for one season, right? And then you have a certain modicum of control after that. And you've got the player in your program and all the rest of that. So I would call him a positive asset, but it's not like a, you know, it's not a huge positive asset. Jovic, positive asset, but again, modest, because I think he has more value to you than other teams. Yaquez, who positive asset, but again, less than before they made the pick. And the 27 and 29 picks, positive assets, but again, modest because it's the heat and their picks are not typically worth what others are. And so I think they basically have six positive assets or seven, if you can account both the 27 and 29 picks. We, we can't count on anything happening with OKC, so we can't guarantee that. So basically, you know, they've got seven positive assets here. Two, they're not trading. Five that are pretty modest positive. So I, I'm just trying stuff, to put this in a context for Heat fans who think they can just do anything. Like, it's so it's a great exercise because it really shows that like a team like Brooklyn, they can't even compete asset wise. That's why you need intangible stuff that you can't quantify. Like Dame to do. ask the hell out. Like, and correct, one exactly. Place. And Portland wanting to get him there, and just things like Dame recognizing intuitively that that Brooklyn's not going to cobble together a roster that all of a sudden wins a championship out of nowhere. That's probably unlikely. Like that's the kind of external factors at work but there also is this i do believe there is the gm out there that says man 2027 and 2029 is pretty far away pat is up there in age and jimmy will be whatever his age is at that time if there ever was a down year where they have as the organization calls them a lean year it would be maybe one of those two. So those, yeah. as we talk about modest picks, there is a little bit of that, but I understand where people would be reluctant to to like bank on it. All right. Something you can bank on, closure investigative agency. Tell you about them now. And now it's time for the spy report here on five on the floor sponsored by closure investigative agency, your trusted private investigative company experienced professionals with over 25 years of private investigations experience their headquarters right here in South Florida in West Palm Beach, but they proudly provide their investigative services nationwide. Their team is so good, so dedicated, so thorough, so professional, so aggressive that other private investigators use them to help solve their own cases. They got a proven track record of going above and beyond. And again, they're a full service nationwide private investigative firm. That means they can handle all kinds of different cases, experts in the field of workers' compensation, insurance fraud, backgrounds and due diligence, 
infidelity, locates, missing persons, asset searches, surveillance, interview statements, and service of process. You can reach out to them at 844-403-2550. That's 844-403-2550. Or check them out on the web at ciagency.net. That's just one A in there, ciagency.net. And now, the spy report. Back here on five on the floor. This whole thing is a spy report tonight, so we don't need to set it aside here. Let, let's get to the new. Well, I'll, okay, I'll mention this. So over the weekend, uh, we're recording this on Saturday night. Dame, welcome to Miami from Will, Will Smith playing in the background of his IG live. Okay, that's not on anybody's set list, particularly in France these days. Although I did hear it today at the at the roller rink in Davie, but typically that, you don't. Yeah, you don't at, have, a, at a skating rink. At a skating rink. You don't, yeah, I also heard you Jesse. don't chill and listen to that. Who does that? Right, exactly. So uh, who knows if Dame knew, didn't know, whatever. His agent having to come out and slam that down. It's become a circus show at this point. Just say you want out already. Don't, you know, don't, don't have the regrets that others have had and, and follow, at least follow the KG route. We'll talk about that in another episode. Jimmy Butler uh, then posted a Dame Dalla song on his IG, but he's a world-class troll, so that doesn't mean a damn thing. Okay, so... That's where we're at with that. All right. You know, Dame has to make a decision that he wants his career to matter more. That's all. And nobody's going to blame him for leaving. And until he recognizes that, and until Portland stops playing the same dance where, again, he has so much more value to them in a trade right now that he's going to have as part of this rebuild and that they're not going to look like the bad guys either at this stage. And just it's a separation that just needs to happen. But both sides, it's just this passive aggressive dance at this point. And honestly, it's irritating. All right. So let's get back to our exercise. Neutral assets. I am going to go with you. So we don't need to spend a lot more time on this. The Kyle Lowry is a neutral asset. Haywood Highsmith is a neutral asset. Tyler Hero is a neutral asset. That's the one we're going to talk about. Is there anybody else that you would put in the neutral asset class for the heat right now? No. That that matters. No. Okay, so let's do this before we get to Tyler, because I know this is where this is going. Is Duncan Robinson at this stage a negative asset still? Slightly. But not as much as he was. Absolutely not. Now, he's gone from, like, you probably aren't going to get him in a trade unless you really, really are going to bite the bullet on it, to he can get into the he can get into a deal and you can have a player with a similar situation, maybe not exactly the same. And people are going to be able to accept it. And so to that point, people are not going to love it, but they're going to be able to accept it. Whereas just six months ago, or maybe even less than that, what the hell am I talking about? Three months ago, right? it, it <laughs> was like, don't even put him in my trade machine. Damn it. Like, like that no longer takes place. So to me, that helps this situation. See, I, I would argue at this point, I, I agree he's still a negative asset because again, the contract It's about the contract, nothing else. Uh, but I actually think he now has more value to the heat than a lot of other teams, particularly with the uncertainty over Struess. Yep. Um, where, which I didn't necessarily feel that way before, but I do now. Um, whereas I, I think that contract creeps into the neutral asset range for the heat, but not yet for other teams. I, I will say this, uh, Bertans was just traded, right? 
as part of, does he have one year fewer than Duncan or am I off on that? I guess I should have researched that before the show. I'll look it up, but continue on. I mean, Duncan's where, a more useful player than Bertans at this point. And He's where is he? Where's Bertans? Where did he end up? I, I don't even know. Check the check that. I, I know. I just know he was traded last week and then he and Duncan have been classified together a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to find out what, what team he got dealt to. Look at me not yeah. under, not knowing where guys are. Bear, well, bear no, with that, us. No, that was – okay, well, while we're doing this, uh, at this stage, is anybody else that we even need to talk about? Um, Oladipo at this stage is what? That's a negative asset to the Heat because he could opt in, right? So Bertans goes through 2024. He's owed okay. $16 million through 2024. Okay. So to that point, when you're looking at Duncan's deal, it is through 2025. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Isn't there, not, isn't there a partial guarantee? There's a partial guarantee on that last year, but there's an extra year regardless. So you were correct. There's one less year on Bertans. And let's continue. Okay. Uh, Depot. As in expiring, he he'll fit into a um into a in so he he's he's, he's a negative not, asset to the Heat because he can't he because he can opt in and then not play because because of his health again not not this is not in his correct control. but he's not a negative asset that can't be used so he's a functional negative asset because you can put him in a in a as a nine million dollar expiring contract and that can be helpful in a, in in a trade there's no doubt. Unless you don't want to pay that. Is it even worth talking about Yurt, Orlando Robinson, or Jamal Kane? No, 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 no. Save the listeners, please. Uh, uh, okay. So let's get to it. Tyler Hero is, in my view, a neutral asset. Um, but I can see how it can be viewed differently, positively or negatively, by others. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the positive side, he is 23 years old. He's been a sixth man of the year. He works at his game. Um, he, you know, he, he scoring. Look, I understand it's easier to score 20 points now than it was 10 years ago when there were all these. But still, Tyler is a guy who has produced consistently. He's gotten better in terms of the way he reads the game, in terms of the way he reacts to double teams. And I am simply not going to blame him. For, and I know Pat said that he would teach him not to dive with a shooting hand, but I'm simply not going to blame him for what happened in the postseason this year because, I mean, it's a freak thing, okay? And and I this thing where, okay, he can't stay healthy in the playoffs, that literally could have happened to Jimmy in the He's first game. He's too young the, to make that declaration. Yeah, it's not – we're not talking about a guy who has chronic issues of some kind, of, of some kind or is not – available because he doesn't condition like that's a different story when people talk injury prone that's what i think of he literally dove on the floor for a loose ball okay mm-hmm. I, you know, we can talk about you know what you but he was trying to play hard and i i don't i don't know how that's held against him it does not mean he's never going to be available for another postseason okay he doesn't have a degenerative condition he, he has he's not lazy in terms of his work so let's stop all that crap okay? if he didn't dive he might have gotten screamed at no, I'm joking. Right. Well, <laughs> right. Well, by hate fans. So I, I just I think that's completely unfair. He becomes a neutral asset because of the CBA. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's why he's a neutral asset. It's not anything it's he did. It's, right. It's just <laughs> it's just 
It's just that there are a lot of guys who, as we said, there are a lot of guys scoring 20 these days. And it's like, what are you going to pay for that guy? You know, even if his efficiency was pretty good, and it was, like, again, if you're shooting 39% from three, uh, you know, it, or it was 37% this year, whatever. If you're in the high 30s, like, you're shooting well from three, he doesn't get to the line enough, which hurts the overall true shooting percentage and some of those other metrics. And there are the defensive issues where he has to be on a certain kind of team that can cover for things that even if he tries hard, which he does, and I thought he became a much better off-ball defender this year, they're just simple things he's not going to be able to do because athletically, he's not built to do them, okay? I don't think it's an effort thing with him. So, like, I I, I feel bad saying he's neutral, but he's neutral just because, again, there are a lot of scorers out there. And the other thing is, he's a scorer who needs to be in the right situation because of the way that he scores. And and I think that when you look at, again, he needs a screen in a lot of cases, and he needs the ball in his hands a lot. And so, you know, unless he's going to become a total off-ball player or go mostly that direction, he's not going to fit on some teams. And unfortunately, I think one of the teams where sometimes he will struggle to fit is this one, in the starting lineup, not as a bench guy, not as a six man of the year, where literally I think if he went back to that role next season, he could win that again. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Every he could year. have a he could have a career very much like the career that just ended, where Lou Williams, what after 17, 18 seasons, uh, he kept finding places to play and be effective and did contribute to some very good teams. So I think it's unfair to characterize Tyler as neutral because. He's never going to get better or anything. That's garbage. He's 23. Well, he's going to get better. And he one is more driven. Thing. One, he is driven. And one more thing. I would just want to sneak it in. For the teams out there that cannot attract free agents, and y'all know who they are, because there's a bunch of organizations that will they will literally say it to the media in press conferences. We are not a team that necessarily builds through free agency. We're not There's a like destination. There's like 20 of them, Greg. There's like 20 yeah. of them. Well, even to big that markets, point, even Chicago, even Washington, even Atlanta. Listen, and I know people are going to also laugh at this and roll their eyes to some degree, but it matters. Tyler Hero is also marketable and he has a personality and he has some swag to him and, you know, the drip and all that, like whatever, but like more of the fact that he is engaging, he, um, he's not uh, like a malcontent, those type of things. Like he, by all accounts, he's always been a good team player, but also he's marketable and he's cool, things like that. So for for certain markets that can attract free agents, I do think that to the point of what you're saying, he becomes less of a neutral then maybe if, if if it's like some other team that um is used to getting players and it's not as big of a deal, like, you know, to the Lakers, he's not as big of an asset as he would be to the Indiana Pacers or the Utah Jazz. Or, or, or even, and this is a team we've talked about within the San Antonio Spurs, who yep. honestly, if you look at what they are putting together right now, like you could plug and play a 23-year-old shooting guard who's averaged – 21 points on good efficiency into that group and grow with him. Honestly, like if I look at any team in the league, I'm like, where's the fit for Tyler? That would be per- that like playing for pop there with that young group. And they have some vassal. They've got some good young players there. Sochin, Okay. And all the rest, but like that's a group that's growing. I think 
what's happened here a little bit with Tyler is he got thrust into it as a rookie at what, 20, 21 years old, right? And he played on the big stage, and even if it was the bubble, okay? And by the way, his numbers were better before the bubble than they were after the bubble. They've been better since the bubble, but that's where people watched him for the first time. And he got put in there, but honestly, I mean, with the right group that's rebuilding, he's a young vet, but he's a really still a young vet, you know, with yeah. He's got he's got finals experience. Yeah. Okay. He's had to play with Jimmy Butler, which may be the hardest thing for any young player in the NBA to do. Okay. In terms of trying to earn some kind of respect. He's played for Spo. He's played in this system. And and I can see like now I feel like I'm Pat talking him up, but I'm talking him up better differently than Pat well, talked him up. Independent of his contract, like Portland would love Tyler Hero if the contract wasn't that high. Like as a yeah, player, yeah. Portland's Port, Portland, but see that, and we, we may end up closing with that because Portland's a different example because Portland's glut right now is in the backcourt, right? Yeah. So it's got to be a team too that doesn't have the glut in the back because like if, see that's part of the problem here. Like you're gonna trade Tyler. Portland, I'm like, why would Portland want Tyler? Because they're they've got Shade and Sharp. They haven't traded Simons yet. They've got Simon signed to a very similar contract to Hero. Ooh. He signed his extension at the same time. And they may move him, who knows? But they have him signed to that kind of and there's some inconsistencies with him this past year, but they they've liked him in the past. And and then you obviously you've got Scoot. And so but I look find at find another team for Tyler, Ethan. Well, that's so the problem. Right. Right. That's the problem. So, but okay. So, but you talk about Utah, right? Utah doesn't really, I mean, Sexton, I think Tyler's better than Sexton. Okay? I just did the thing with the teams with the white fans. I mean, I'm just being dead. Well, I know you are. You. I know. And I, I understand that. And that's the part of the marketability oh. that you didn't mention, but it is part of it. But I'm just <laughs> saying like, I'm saying that, that the Indiana, like Indiana. Okay. Like they're sort of in this pivot stage where they're trying you know, they've got Halliburton, right? Like you can put Tyler with Halliburton in the backcourt. That's really interesting. Um, and again, I mentioned San Antonio. What about OKC? I mean, OKC mm -hmm. has all, I mean, they, they've got SGA, but they've got all of these kind of, I mean, they're, they're the skinniest team in the league. They've got all of these kind of versatile. They wanted them. When remember, when the, it, remember when the uh, conversations were taking place for Russ? Part yes. of that, the Tyler Hero was involved in them conversations. Mm -hmm. And you look at that again, Tyler at 23 would be like a young vet on that kind of team that's growing. I think that's where it has to be. I, I think, and, and, and so I say neutral asset, but I, I see for some teams that would still view him even with the contract as a positive asset. And I think there are other teams who would say, we want no part of it. it he doesn't Correct. fit right now where we're at. Okay. And so we're, we're not going to pay that kind of money for him. So I, I think that's kind of where it's at. But I think the overall assessment that we've made here, their assets are better than they were last summer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But they're still overall pretty damn neutral. And and I think, and it also played, some of it is, the, is, is a product of their success. Other teams don't often want the guys that they develop, even though they obviously are going to be play hard, work hard guys, because they know that Spo got more out of them than probably they're going to get out of them. And we've seen that over and over and over. We've said who has gotten better after they left Miami. And the answer is pretty much no one. Okay. Even the guys that the heat have drafted like a Jay rich. Okay. Who was developed. He wasn't undrafted, but he was the 40th pick 
And he ended up playing like a top 10 pick for them, but never has again anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that the teams are on to this stuff that basically these guys are going to be better for the heat. So that's one problem they've got. And the other problem they've got is that again, unless you mention it, like Pat's going to retire and they don't have a succession plan and they're going to have lean years, which none of us believe that that's actually going to occur. Then the 27 and 29 picks have more value. So I just think that other teams look at the heat's assets and they're like, all right, Unless you're giving us BAM, like you have a lot of stuff that's okay. It's so, fine. Can I ask you this question as we close? Yes. Do you think it just, Dame aside, the, with BAM and Jimmy as pillars, and maybe this bleeds into our next episode, Um, which who knows if we're going to have two coming up quick listeners um is well, we that, were going to do, this one in 45 do, minutes. do you think it's better for them to pull every asset they have and make one big swing or is this a situation because the more i sit with this and i know dame lillard is who we all want but i look at this and i'm like man since that asset list is not that great you could take a couple of them and you could pull off a, a an antoine walker j will posey type deal that can happen with the expiring of Kyle Lowry and some of what else you have on your roster. And so I start to just think about that. Like it would just be super unfortunate if it's Dame or, or nothing, because I do think that they could get other stuff done. And it's just unfortunate because it feels so much like Dame or nothing. We should really, that's a good episode topic, which we definitely will do. Uh, we should at some point really look back at those 2005 trades, because I think if we look at the circumstances of them, there was a reason that they were able to pull all that stuff off in all of those situations. <laughs> Antoine was a He's hanging on by a thread. <laughs> the, right. I mean, he was a deflated asset at that point. Like they, there was a feeling that you, the, Antoine couldn't play in a winning situation anymore. Um, he put on some weight that he needed. He needed to score a uh, bit of a ball hog and all that. I mean, honestly, the fact that the Heat made it work with Antoine was one of my big surprises of that season. And it did not work the whole year either, by the way. And it was him and Posey yeah. kind of rotating those spots. Posey was a great get. Okay. Kind of an under the radar get. If you look at that team, there was a reason that he was available too. They had a glut at that position. Jay will, which that was the part of the move that I hated and I was wrong about it. Okay. Even though I loved watching him as a player, I was like, there's no way he's going to fit in the heat system. And not only did he fit, he fits so well that their frustration was he wouldn't be white. He didn't play like white chocolate for them. Mm -hmm. He literally went into a total shell. It's like it, it I, when I used to write, like I used to be a little ornate and over the top and all that. And then I got coached into it where I became totally boring. And that's sort of what happened to Jay Will. It was just like he is just beating into his head. Like and, and at a certain point, it was like he would have flashes. Not Damon of, Jones. Play like Jason Williams. Right, exactly. Like they could. So there were sort of, and the Gary Payton thing, I mean, Gary was a free, I mean, he was a part of the free agent, right? Like, so that was a little bit different. Um, they, I'll have to check on, I believe that was the case. So, so yes. Yes. When, when you look, yeah, you look at the core four players that they acquired and they had the Eddie Jones contract to move to. And Eddie was still kind of a borderline star at that point. Um, and so even though he, he had come up small in the playoffs the year before. So there, there was a reason that all of it, it kind of played out the way it did. It's not easy to do, particularly in an age where, you know, the Kyle Lowry contract back then 
when cap space mattered so much because you were clearing for free agents, the Kyle Lowry contract would have enormous value. It would be a positive asset. These days, like we're stretching to call it neutral, I think. I think, though, as teams clean up their cap sheets, as we close here, $29 million, you saw Marcus Smart uh, basically an expiring contract and two first-round picks got you the defensive player of the year from last year. And so, like, I just would say that, like, I think you'd be surprised for a cost-cutting team. Kristaps, even though Kristaps is not often available, he had a better season than Kyle Lowry, though, and is a lot younger. You're damn right. You're damn right. So there would have to be different circumstances. And also, we got to identify that the Miami Heat are not one of those cost-cutting teams. Are we sure about that? All right, check out our sponsors, Closure Investigative Agency, Prize Fix, Better Edge, Oceansfinest.com. This was supposed to be 20 minutes. Good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.